Okay, just making sure everything's working right. And um, of course, good morning, guys. It is about 7.17 in the morning. It is Tuesday, the 4th of August, 2020. And I want to welcome you to this edition of Topics on My Mind, an animation edition. That's right. We're going to talk some animation topics, kind of trying to answer these uh, questionable topics, if you will, and go from there. Now, I might provide a link later on to some of the things I will talk about. So be on the lookout for that, um, if you will. But yeah, we're going to talk about a variety of topics today as I link this up at various sites and Give myself a little bit of Coke to drink. So, so what are the topics we're going to talk about today? And as we speak, I also have my my CAW Creative Wrestling League's uh, Women of Honor special event, special edition episode event happening as we speak. So you can check that out at any time that you want. Maybe double screen the thing and you can check out both at the same time. But anyway, what are we going to talk about today? Well, it's a four-topic deal. It's not going to be that long. So the four topics we're going to talk about today are, the first one, are animated music videos the way to go during this pandemic and beyond? We'll talk about that. Basically, you might have noticed that some of them have been popping up a lot. Number two, we will talk about Bugs Bunny's 80th birthday. And I'm not talking to Bugs Bunny uh, that shows up in the live stream who uses the name as his uh, YouTube, uh, YouTube name for his channel. But the uh, Warner Brothers character, 80th birthday occurred. We'll talk about that, even my personal history. Number three, we'll talk about why do animated shows have attractive female characters created for them, ranging from characters like Gadget and Rescue Rangers, to Cleo from Heathcliff and the Catholic Cats, to Rarity and various other characters in Friendship is Magic, My Little Pony. We'll talk about that as best we can, because I am going off, because of, I actually got the idea from uh, somebody that I'm subscribed to called Sketchy the Changeling on, here on YouTube. Check him out, out when you get a chance. And also, could a webcomic like the Demonica series on DeviantArt or the written adaption of the character series, which is also on DeviantArt, work as an adult animated series along with others like it? Yes, we will talk about that um, as well when we get the opportunity. Yes, we will talk about that 
um, as well. So with that said, let's get into our first topic, ladies and gentlemen. And our first topic is, are animated music videos the way to go during this pandemic and beyond? Now, in case you guys probably have not noticed, um, a lot of um, artists have had to work around what's going on right now with the whole virus and stuff. So one of the uh, directions that they have been going, apparently, from what I've seen, ranging from Phoebe Ryan to Katy Perry to a few others as of late, is they're going the animation route. And sometimes it's either full-on animation, whether, whether it's stop-motion animation, um, whether it's claymation, pixelization, you name it. They've been going down this route. And... Um, you know, I when I look at this, I, I have to give them a lot of credit for, you know, going going with this, you know, going in this direction because right now they right now because of what's going on, depending on where they're at, if you will, um, they are very limited in what they can do. You know, they can't. You know, they can't really. Um, you know. The, you know, and uh, my friend who goes under the same name of Bugs just reminded me the 80s was last week, but I never got a chance to talk about it, and I will. So, okay, we'll get to that. Um, anyway, excuse me there. Uh, but anyway, like I said, you know, a lot of um, artists have had to um, work around the situation of, you know, how are they going to get music videos out? Because even though music videos are not as prominent as they used to be, uh, back in the early to mid 2000s, throughout the 90s, and most definitely throughout the 80s. Excuse me, there. <clears throat> I don't know what that was about. But like I said, even though uh, music videos are not as prominent, you know, as they were uh, back in the early to mid 2000s, throughout the 90s, and mostly, you know, most definitely, I should say, throughout the 80s, you know, they're still around and they mostly premiere. Uh, during, uh, they mostly debut on online most, most of the time. I mean, I'm sure MTV and VH1, if VH1 is still around, I'm sure they'll showcase the new music video here and there. And I know Cartoon Network with its Adult Swim block late at night, especially way late at night, will dedicate at least five, ten minutes to new music videos, mostly the more trippy animation ones from uh, indie bands or maybe well-established uh, artists that, you know, don't get talked about as much. Yeah, but like I said, you know, you know, right now I have to give a lot of the artists credit for, you know, what's go for how they're able to kind of cope with the situation. I mean, some of them are probably lucky enough to go out and film on location, wherever it may be, they're able to film, um, you know, the music videos. They're able to, you know, get the video out the way they want or the way they plan for it. But right now, though, there's a lot of artists. Um, well, maybe a lot. I'm not saying there is. But there's a fair share of artists out there that, you know, can't, you know, they can't do that. They can't go out and... Um, 
you know, you know, create the music video as they originally intended. So they got to work around that. And I've noticed the likes of Phoebe Ryan, Katy Perry, like I said, amongst others, you know, working around that, you know, and it's not just female artists, there's male artists, there's bands and all that. They're working around the situation as we speak, just to try to distribute a music video of any kind, whether it's an animated lyric video or it's an animated animated music video, which is the which the dub, the official animated music video, but then maybe put out a, a message saying that the live action music video, the one they intended, will come when things start to settle down. You know, so it's a, it's a whole it's a whole bunch of um, it's it's basically a whole bunch of circumstances that have to be worked around and. Um, Honestly, like I said, I got to give them credit for at least doing it. And what this also does, though, is it kind of, I think, even though this is, look, even though this is being done during a pandemic and it's leaving a lot of musical artists, bands and all that with no other, you know, alternative uh, coin of fate, you know, to kind of say, if you will, no other alternative. Um, it is opening the door. It is uh, opening the door possibly for animated music videos to be um, at the forefront even after we get out of this pandemic. I mean, when you listen, I mean, depending on what artist or band you listen to, sometimes the lyrics in a song, you know, visually sound like they could be, you know, something that could be seen in an animated music video, like. You know, I always reference Peter Gabriel's Sledgehammer, and I'm always saying that I think, and I stick by this even now. Uh, you know, I stick by the fact that I believe a female artist who's an up-and-coming, independent, established, uh, could really take on their own version of Peter Gabriel's Sledgehammer, not just the song, but their own music video interpretation of it with their song, maybe, and really hit it out of the park, and people would love it. You know, the scenes being re you know, being remade, reenacted, you know, reshot, even, you know, even with today's technology, CGI, you know, all that occurring, you know, I still stick by the fact that a female artist could pull it off, whether they're remaking the song and they want to do a music video that's identical to it as a tribute, or they're doing a music video that's a tribute, but it's with their own song. We've seen that already with one band uh, several years back. But But the point I'm getting at, uh, basically, is when you listen to a lyric out of a song from a band or from an artist of any kind, sometimes that lyric describes something that maybe from a visual animation perspective can be um, showcased better than live action. Because, yeah, you could place it into live action, but you have to do the CGI route. You have to go the computer generation route. And not saying that won't be bad and not saying that won't be a, more cheaper to do at times. But going full animated sometimes for certain sequences and stuff. Yeah, I, I think it works. I think it would work better. Whether it's, like I say, 2D, whether it's stop motion, claymation, pixelization. I think an animated music video, especially depending on a certain song that has contained certain lyrics. Um could be the best direction for them to go 
or could be the best direction to go in the future, even after this pandemic. I'm not saying they don't have to stick to their animated, uh, not animated, but the live action videos and all that, where they're either just walking around in the darkness of a street on the street in the dark and all that. I'm not saying they don't have to stop doing that. They're still doing that now. They because basically they got to work around the situation of what's happening, so they have to basically, um, you know, find a time or day or time of night to to film, you know, the scenes for the video. I'm not saying that they. I'm not saying they should just shrug that off or get rid of it. You know, like I said, they're still doing it now. They're working their way around it. But as I mentioned, you know, I've noticed that a lot more animated music videos from established artists, up-and-coming artists, independent artists, bands, established bands, up-and-coming bands, independent, whatever. I've been seeing a lot of animated music videos just popping up a lot more. And sometimes then being dubbed as the official music video. And like I said earlier, some are being dubbed as the official animated version with a live action one to come out later. Maybe when a concert is finally allowed to happen again, you know, you could have um, basically somebody, you know, say, hey, film this. Basically, you have it. Basically, you can have what I'm trying to say. Excuse me here for a second. But basically what I'm saying is you could basically have um, somebody, you know, film a portion of the concert and the concert um, is basically, um, how do I put this? The concert is, you know, just that song, like the portion of the concert they film is just that one song. Thus, it results in them having a live action music video of that song. So, um, anyway, though, like I said, you know, but anyway, getting back on topic, as I know I sound like I'm rambling, I do apologize, it is early. But like I said, it's it's one of the, but right now when, one of those situations like I said we're in one of those um you know, situations right now that, you know, a lot of artists, like, as I mentioned, Katy Perry, she did, what was it, what was it, Leaves or something? I don't know what the music video was, but she did an animated music video. Phoebe Ryan did an animated music video, and there have been countless others that have done music videos, whether the CGI, Claymation, a hybrid of the two, whatever. They've done music videos, and again, it's a, it's a result of what's going on. Now, I know some people might say, well, maybe they had it planned to do an animated music video. And that might be true, because even before this pandemic, I've noticed that a lot of artists, you know, some up-and-coming ones, established, independent, have gone that route, because I think they feel that there's more creative freedom. Like, you could be more expressive and creative through animation 
than you can live action. And that's why I think they went that route. And that's why I think a lot of artists that like the ones I've mentioned are going down this route as well, because they can be more expressive. They can be more creative. They can let loose a little bit. They don't have to worry about limitations. I mean, again, you go back to look at Sledgehammer, for example, you know, it's going to, my God, what is it going to be 35 years next year for it? That's unbelievable. Uh, but Sledgehammer last, you know, Sledgehammer, excuse me, I can talk here. <laughs> Sledgehammer basically was very innovative when it came out. I mean, the fact that you had this guy saying, one, basically living up to what one lyric in the song said. One lyric in the song was, I'll be anything you need. And then literally throughout the later portion of the, of the middle and later portion of the well, basically, mostly the middle portion of it, you see him literally becoming anything. You you see him, I mean, you f see, like, the first thing you see is a bunch of fruit just surround him, and all of a sudden, it engulfs his face, and next thing you know, it transforms him into a fruit face that splits apart and then comes back together, and it goes side to side. And I know that the reason they did it that way was to kind of show, to kind of show the illusion of, see, see, he, he, he turned into a fruit face. I get that. Um, but then you have the claymation, which was done by the people that did Wallace and Armit, and the fact that you know, in the claymation thing, you have him, you have his hands turned into sledgehammers and beating himself on both sides of the face, and you know, all of a sudden his face, you know, you know, comes apart because a little man comes out of it or some little person, and then you see his lips on the wall, and then the lips are replaced by a yin yang -ang thing that becomes his face, and then the water and then the water goes up backwards to the water fountain and there's his face and, and then his human face and then all of a sudden it just becomes a mosaic wall all that you know it, stuff like that just that create that creativity you know is what really mesmerized a lot of people and not just the beat not just the the smoothness and the catchiness of the song but it was the creativity that he went through to make that happen. And it all be, and all because he wanted to visually visually live up to that one lyric he sang where in the, at the beginning of the song where he says, I'll be anything you need. Because literally, like I said, in the middle portion of it, he became that. That's what happened. And heck, nowadays I've noticed here on YouTube, a lot of people, because I guess of the pandemic, and I don't know because of my word of mouth or what, but a lot of people are checking out the video. A lot of people are doing reactions to it. They're like, okay, what's the big deal about the sledgehammer deal? And they're reacting to it. They're watching it. They're like, whoa, what's this? And I think the reason they're doing that is because they want to see how creative a music video, especially an animated one, claymation stop motion back in the 80s could be. And maybe probably get an idea of, hey, maybe this is something that could be done today. Because like I said, you take a look at a lot of the artists out there, a lot of the bands out there. And it's like, yeah, those songs lend themselves to something like this, could lend themselves to a music video like this, where some of the, because basically when you listen, I've heard some of the songs, even while I'm working, I've heard some of the songs. And like some of these songs are basically having the artists saying they can be this, they could be that. And it's like, well, if you have the music video visually, creatively, you could do that. So 
anyway, uh, getting but anyway, getting back on the topic here. Um, you know, when I look at what's going on with this pandemic and everything. Obviously, right now, it seems that animated music videos, especially for any kind of artist, is the way to go. It is definitely the way to go for them. And will it be the way to go for them and other artists even beyond this pandemic once we get out of it or once we kind of get in a more stabilized position? Probably. It probably will be the the direction they go because, like I said, I think they're going to realize if not noticed, not just from themselves, but from other artists that, hey, you know, we have a little bit of freedom here. We can be more expressive. We can let loose. We can be more creative. I mean, why do you think Borjak, I think that's her name, B-O-R-K, Borak, why do you think she is creative? Why do you think she goes the animated route in most of her videos at times? You know, why do you think FK, FKA, why do you think FKA Twigs? Why do you think Ladi, Ladai 6? You know, why do you think they go these routes? Because they know through animation of any kind, they can be more expressive and more creative. Why do you think Hells went through it, through it uh, with this song, Get Along With You, especially at the end, if not throughout the duration of the video at times? Because you can be more creative, more expressive. You can... Do things in animation with a 2D, CGI, claymation, pixelation, stop motion that you can't do in live action. You can't do it in live action. And I think and I think basically, you know, that's why they choose to go that direction. I don't know what that I was just about to say. That was weird. But basically, that's why they go in that direction. They choose to go there. So... To, to me, honestly, I think when when I look at someone like Katy Perry, who I've always viewed as somebody that's been a creative artist, no matter what video she does, I've always viewed her as somebody that could definitely utilize animation, you know, as a as a forefront, as a means to get a music video out based on one of her songs and she's done that you know so far this year yeah she has a smile song come out right now and that looks like it's kind of more live action but kind of a combination of the flashy stop motion animation but but still you know she had one i think it was like i said i think it was the leafs one i know i gotta look at it where basically she was able to use animation to tell her story to tell her story in her song so anyway to take, bring this uh, topic to a close, do I think animation music videos are the way to go during this pandemic and beyond it? Absolutely. I think if you're an artist and you're unsure of exactly the, the, the safety, if you're unsure of the safety of the situation or the area you may have to film the live action portion of the video. If you're unsure, then to me, the best route, at least to have as a backup, is to go the animation route, to basically go with the alternative of animation. Because like I said, there's gonna, because as I said, there's going to be a lot of people 
not just artists, but a lot of people that even when we get into a more stabilized situation here, they're going to be like, yeah, we're not too sure yet. We're not going to take any chances. Answers. We'll go a different route to distribute a music video. And the alternative route may be animation. So, yeah, I, I definitely think animated music videos for artists and bands established, independent, up and coming, you know, during this pandemic are indeed the way to go. And I think they're also the way to go even after this, because, as I said, there's going to be a lot of people in the music business that are going to be unsure of their safety. They don't want to get sick, even if we're in a stabilized position. So they may decide to go the route of animation. And I think that's going to be a, and I think that's going to be the obvious direction. In fact, I think it's going to be a driving force for the next few years because even after we get a stabilized, even after we get stabilized, after we get a vaccine, after the election, depending on whether or not you believe that's the reason things are spiking up the way they are, you know, after everything is said and done, I think going the direction and utilizing animation for official music videos is going to be the is going to become a driving force for a lot of artists established up and coming independent same with bands you know established up and coming independent it's going to be the driving force for them to release official music videos because to them they're going to hear they're going to see hear and see how creative and how much more freedom and creative they can be e with these music videos when it comes to live action ones. So that's all I'm going to say on that one, on that topic. And our next topic, and I know my friend here online that shares the, the same name, Amos is YouTube name is this character. Our second topic, Bugs Bunny's 80th birthday. Now, last week, I didn't get a chance to talk about it because, of course, I was working and other things came up. But last week was Bugs Bunny's 80th birthday. And um, I can tell you this, as a fan, growing up with Bugs, I was just, I always enjoyed the cartoons. I think per, look, I think particularly, I've always enjoyed the cartoons where he's, did, where he's had interaction with Elmer, Daffy, um, Yosemite Sam. I've always enjoyed those kind of cartoons. Um, one of my personal favorites is is basically the ones where my one of my personal favorites I'll put it this way with bugs is when they do the future short when they do the I think it's the 1940s it's when they do the future short and basically you see him and Elmer as basically on the last legs, they're old and everything. And but it shows that no matter how old Bugs gets, he could still get one over on on Elmer. Like Elmer basically gets this Buck Rogers like gun or laser gun, shoots Bugs right in the back, and Bugs just you know gets hit by it. I guess you could say liquefies, melts, if you will, back into you know down to the ground into his basically into his body and it makes it look like you know elmer finally got him and he's going through all the motions like you know it's like he's getting his grave ready for himself and all that but then he just turns it around on elmer basically doing the classic bugs without elmer realizing it and then when elmer is basically the one that gets put into the grave 
besides Bugs. Bugs like, so long, Basubia. <laughs> and just buries the dirt on him. You know, and, and then Elmer's like sitting in all buried in the dirt, sitting in the ground, going like, Well, at least he's I'm rid of that rabbit once and for all. He's out of my life forever and ever. And then suddenly you see Bugs pop up right next to him saying, Oh, I wouldn't say that. And then place a bomb right next to him and the next thing you know, when it fades to black, you hear this big old explosion. So I love that. I, that was one of my personal favorites because, again, it shows uh, character-wise that even as they get old, or as he gets old, Bugs is always going to have a one-up on on his adversaries, no matter what. So, so yeah, um, so yeah, I enjoyed that. I really did. Um, the other ones, of course, was with Daffy. I mean, you can't get any better than some of the Daffy shorts. Um, mostly when they do involve Elmer, like Duck, Rabbit, Duck, Rabbit Season, stuff like that. And it was mostly like later on when you got into like some of the later episodes, some of the later cartoons, that the the joke, the gag of Daffy always having his uh, beak blown off by Elmer. Because Bugs would always double talk him into admitting it's duck season and not rabbit season really always got me always got me laughing. But then what really surprised me though was um I think as a kid watching him interact with Wiley e. Coyote, it's like I thought Wiley e. Coyote was Roadrunner, but you know, as you look later on, you find out that Wiley got introduced in Bugs Bunny cartoons where he talked at first, and then he just became more of a mute later on with an occasional speaking uh, portion or part doing the Road Runner cartoons, and then I kind of like how they kind of paid homage, paid tribute to where he started by having Bugs in one Road Runner episode stand in for the Road Runner because apparently storyline wise, Road Runner broke his leg. So, and I like how they have Bugs kind of explain, yeah, you know. Um, yeah, uh, I have to take these peels, these speedy, these little vitamins, speed vitamins, to kind of run at the pace that the Roadrunner does. So, so yeah, I was always, um, I, I always enjoyed. So I was kind of surprised to see that when see, I was genuinely surprised when I first saw that as a kid. I was like, "Whoa, you know, he's substituting for Roadrunner. What's going on here?" You know. But, of course, one of the things I always remember watching when it comes to Bugs was the Bugs Bunny and Tweety Show. The Bugs Bunny and Tweety Show, which ran for years and years and years, even after, you know, ABC went through all these different transitions during its Saturday mornings, it stayed put. It was, like, one of the constant things that was on ABC. Like, I think ABC and Warner Brothers had a deal. Like, you got to air this as long as you can until something comes up. And they did. They aired it for a long time. Even after Disney started the acquisition of ABC, they still kept it on there. I mean, some of my fondest memories was, you know, not just in the 80s, but in the mid to late 90s and early to mid 90s uh, as well, where I would tune into ABC to to watch Wild West Cowboys and Moo Mesa, Sonic Sat AM, and then, of course, later on, Bugs Bunny and Tweety. It was always... It was always uh, one of those routines because in the middle, of course, I would switch over to Fox, watch X-Men, 
I would watch uh, switch switch over to CBS, watch Ninja Turtles, stuff like that. But constantly, always around 10 a.m. Pacific, had to watch Bugs Bunny and Tweety, or 10 a.m. Central, Bugs Bunny and Tweety. Had to watch it. It was it was a it was a tradition uh, in a sense for me ever since I was a kid. And I think I don't know when they transitioned to Bugs Bunny and Tweety back in the 80s because I do remember a few times. When it was on ABC, well, it was on CBS, then went to ABC. It was Bugs Bunny and Daffy or something like that. So, uh, but so yeah, I've always and always enjoyed watching Bugs cartoons. And, you know, if it wasn't, and here's what's interesting about it Bugs Bunny wasn't even originally the main megastar of Warner Brothers, of Mary Melodies, of the Looney Tunes. It was Porky Pig. Bugs basically followed the same kind of uh, path that Mickey f- followed when he took over as the mascot for Disney over Oswald and even before Oswald, Alice. So he kind of followed in that category. Uh, the same with Yogi Bear. Yogi Bear was never intended to be the mascot, to be the face, if you will, their Mickey Mouse, if you will, the Bugs Bunny of uh, the studio. Huckleberry Hound was, and Yogi Bear just shot up and surpassed that and became became the studio's big megastar, became their Mickey Mouse, became their Bugs. So, so yeah, you know, Bugs falls under that category, believe it or not, of someone who was not originally meant to be the studio's megastar, their mascot, and yet here you go. And that's the thing about Bugs as well, you know. You know, you can credit Porky for Bugs coming to into existence because we got short because they wanted to expand the Looney Tunes, Mary Melody's library of characters, uh, characters and shorts that they created Bugs out of it. Um, to me, it's really the fact that when Bugs came into his own, it was it opened the door to allow them to bring in other characters with more wider personalities. Cause I think that's what set bugs apart was the, the range of personalities that he had. The, the fact that he was so different from what Porky was, it was like, you know, you had it's like Warner brothers had no other choice, but to make this guy the star. And again, from, in my opinion, from there, we had characters like Foghorn Leghorn, Sylvester, Tweety, you know, Pepe Le Pew, Penelope Cat. Um, who else? Um, who else am I thinking of? Um, Sam the Sheepdog. Um, you know, stuff like, you know, characters like that. You had them ranging from, it was, in my opinion, because of the creation of Bugs and then developing him into the characters that we would know and love. Uh, basically allowed the door to be open for those characters that I just mentioned to come on in and be given the opportunity to be let loose and be more expressive than what we had ever seen in any cartoons before. So, so yeah. Oh, yeah, Bosco, too. I forgot about that. Because basically... Bosco, okay, correction there. Thank you, my friend, for the correction, the guy that uses the bug's name. Um, but here's the thing. 
So like I said, Porky was originally was originally one, I should say, one of the mascots that was going to be the main megastar of of Warner Brothers. Um, but he got eclipsed by Bugs, that, as I mentioned. But even though Bugs fell under the category, like I said, of Yogi eclipsing Huckleberry and Mickey eclipsing Alice and Oswald, also Porky eclipsed Bosco. And here's what's interesting. If you watch Tiny Toons, the episode Fields of Honey, there's a scene in there where Babs is looking up history about you know, certain female uh, characters from Warner Brothers' past. And when she comes across Honey, and then she goes to get more information about her, she finds out that basically Bosco and Honey were eclipsed by Porky. That Bosco and was supposed, Bosco and Honey was supposed to be Warner Brothers' answer to, um, I think, to 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 Mickey Mouse, and the same with the character that came before Bus, uh, Bosco around the same time Bosco did, and that was Buddy. But long story short, like I said, Bugs follows kind of in that footstep that Porky did. Porky eclipsed Bosco, Buddy, whatever. You know, like Porky eclipsed Bosco, Bosco eclipsed Buddy, and Bugs eclipsed Porky. So it's kind of like a domino effect. But yeah, you know, like I said, if it wasn't, I think for the creation, for the creators allowing Bugs, like Tex Avery and Frizz Feely and Chuck Jones and all that, allowing Bugs to have all these expressionary personalities and all that and diversities, it wouldn't have opened the door for, like I said, the characters that I mentioned, like Foghorn, Peppy, Sylvester, Wiley, Sam the Sheep, you know, Penelope, you name it, it wouldn't have opened the door for them. And I'm glad it did. And Bugs still keep, and here's the thing, you know, no matter what the year, no matter what the decade or even the century, characters like Bugs and the rest of the Looney Tunes, they just keep evolving. I mean, you take a look at Lola Bunny when she came on board. People thought, oh, she's just there to be the sex symbol, right? The love interest. But look, you can definitely tell that they realize, look, we can't. Well, they definitely realized that, well, let's say, with Looney Tunes back in action, the director through that was throwing shade at Space Jam for saying, yeah, you know, that Lola character was not a Looney Tune character. If she was Looney, she would be like the Looney Tune characters. And we only got a bit of looniness at the end. So they were throwing shade at him, and I think what happened is that still resonated years later to a, to when uh, to the point that when they made the Looney Tunes show, the creators were like, you know what? Let's if we're gonna bring Lola in, we're gonna make her a complete 180, 360, whatever of what she was in Space Jam. You had Kristen Wiig as the voice. There you go. And then of course later on with her appearance in the new Looney Tunes show, voiced once again by Cass Sushi. Um. You know, it's kind of a like what you would want out of Lola, what you would expect. And perhaps that's the Lola we're going to get in Space Jam 2, A New Legacy. So, yeah, you know, 80 years, it's, it's hard to believe. 80 years. 19, 1930, wasn't it? Yeah, 1930. Wait a minute, 1940. Yeah, 1940, it's hard to believe. Anyway, he's, yeah, age-wise... He's 12 years younger than, than Mickey, <laughs> but he's become synonymous with Mickey. So, you know, being on the, the iconic stage. I mean, heck, you take a look at a lot of the movies that came out in the early, in the late 70s, early, early, early to mid 80s. 
Looney Looney Bugs Bunny movie. Uh, Looney Looney Bugs Bunny movie. Bugs Bunny Roadrunner movie. A Thousand and One Rabbit Tales. You know, stuff like that. You had him involved in um, Crackbusters. You had him involved in Fantastic Island. So, so yeah, you know, it's 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 hard to believe it's been 80 years. years. And again, it's a character I grew up on, everybody else grew up on, and many more generations will grow up on, no matter what. And, you know, I just, just say I look forward to another 80 years. I may not be around for those 80 years, but, you know, I'll be around for when he hits 100. So that's something, unless the Lord comes before that. Um, but yeah, congratulations to Warner Brothers. Congratulations to the Bugs Bunny character for 80 years in existence. Hard to believe. And here's to 20 more. Here's to your upcoming 120 years. And if the Lord don't come before then. And here's to 80 more for those that will be around even after I'm gone. So um, congratulations. So now on to our next topic. On to our next topic here. Our next topic, um, I got inspiration to doing this by watching a video earlier um, today or even yeah, earlier this morning, kind of watching a few glimpses of it. And it was also a video I watched last night before I went to bed. It was by Sketchy the Changeling, who's a f- fan in the Brony in the, in the slash Pegasister um, community. He's a fan in the Brony slash Pegasister community. And... Sketchy did an overview of season nine. He always does an overview. A lot of the bronies and Pegasisters do these overviews. And Sketchy uh, did an overview of season nine. And the one thing he mentioned at the end and during one of his discussions of, well, when he talked about one of the episodes in season nine, which was going to seed, uh, which was an Applejack, Apple Bloom episode. Oh, Apple Family episode, period. Um, he mentioned at the end that the only thing that saved the episode was the flashback that involved Pear Butter, and that Pear Butter, Buttercup, which is Applejack's mom, is fine as you know what. <laughs> you know, So that got me thinking, hmm, is there something going on here that we don't know? So I watched another one of his videos and he was talk and he was getting ready to talk about Wendy Whistles, which is Rainbow Dash's mom. And he would bring up all the attractive uh, waifus or as fans call characters that are very attractive, female characters that are very attractive in the show. Um, he brought up a list of some of the waifus, the moms, and he would always constantly just end each one with Twilight Velvet, Twilight Velvet, Twilight Velvet. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, obviously he has a thing for Twilight Velvet. So again, it got me to think about this topic, this questionable topic, and that is, why do animated shows have attractive female characters created for them, ranging from Gadget and Disney's Rescue Rangers to My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic's Rarity, and other MLP female characters, as well as characters like Chitara, um, in Thundercats, Cleo in the Cadillac Cats, Rebecca from Tailspin, Peg from Goof Troop, 
Fondier from Bonkers, Callie Briggs and Felicia Farrell from SWAT Cats. And the list could go on. The question is obviously, why do animated shows have attractive female characters in them or created for them? And I think the answer is real simple. Depending on the role of the character, how, you know, how important they are or prominent they are, I think the reason animated shows have attractive female characters created for them is exactly what I've said before. And I've talked about this in a video before. It's called eye candy. They are meant to be eye candy. They, here's the thing. It's kind of like with attractive male characters in the show. If the creators decide, hey, I want to create this character and make them look attractive to the female eye, then they're going to. Um, I'll bring up a, um, a collaboration video that Silver Quill and Eliora did for, I think, what was it, Brother Hooves Social? Brother Hooves Social. And basically, in that episode, well, basically, in that review, Eliora uh, considered uh, Big Mac as a husbando. Husbando and waifu basically standing for the same thing. Like, you know, basically fans looking at female, looking at characters as being significant others because they're attracted to them. You know, the, the same could be said for when someone's attracted to a male or female anime or manga character. But anyway, getting back on topic, or getting back onto the topic, you know, to me, this is why I, you know, a lot of animated shows have attractive female characters created for them. As I said, it's for eye candy. It's to grab your attention. They know that if they create a character, whether they're human or anthropomorphic or whatever, it's going to get the attention of the male viewer, whether it's a, whether or not it's a grown person like me or a preteen or adolescent, it's going to grab their attention. And the same with the female viewers. And that's why they're created. You know, that's why they're giving the, the facial expressions and the quirkiness and the personalities that they have and the, sometimes the, the figures they're given. It's because it's all meant to be eye candy, nothing more. It's to grab your attention. I mean, here's the thing. When you take a look at SWAT cats and characters of Callie Briggs and Felina Farrell, you know, you look at them and you're like, damn, hello. I mean, even... Even Bennett the Sage, who does Anime Abandon, when he talked about SWAT Cats in a review, even he was like, when he saw Callie Briggs, he was like, hello. And that might have been part of his character and part of the review and all that, but still, no matter how you look at it, it's like, you know, damn, can you blame him? Can you blame Bennett for feeling like that? Can you blame someone like Rob the Wonderful, you know, from the Cartoon Clip Show for feeling like that? Heck, you, you, let's take a look at the... Uh, let's take a look at that anthropomorphic Noah's Ark that Disney helped distribute internationally. You had the character, I think her name was Panthera or something. Even Bob Joe was like, when he first saw her, appear on screen he was like he just put something aside and he was like oh hello yourself you know again you know it's all about the eye candy it's all about 
getting your attention. And like I said, the same could be applied when a, a male character comes on screen. You know, if a male character comes on screen it's to, and they're looked at as being attractive, it's to get the female eye's attention. Like if you go back and you watch Sailor Moon, the prominent male character there is Tuxedo Mask. You can't tell me that he wasn't created the way he was in and out of mask or when he, you know, yeah, in and out of costume. He wasn't created to be eye candy for the female viewers. He was. He was created to be eye candy. And, you know, the same could be said for any female character created in other shows. I mean, heck, G.I. Joe, you had... You had Scarlet in the original G.I. Joe G1. Scarlet. You have the Baroness. You have Lady J. You have CoverGirl. You can't tell me that the people that created G.I. Joe, the animated series back in the early to mid-80s, you can't tell me they didn't know what they were doing to get a boy's attention. And maybe even get some few female viewers onto the show. But you can't tell me they didn't know what they were doing. When they added those characters, they did. They created eye candy to get the boys' attention on the show, as well as maybe even attract the female young fan base to watch it as well, because they'd be curious as to why do my why does my brother or why does my cousin find the show so fascinating? Or something like that. And they might tease them about, oh, it's because you have a crush on this character. Okay, fine, but at least it gets their attention as to be curious as to what's going on here. Even Zorana, Zartana's sister, was created as eye candy. Heck, I go back to what I said during my topic on Bugs' 80th birthday, Lola Bunny. You think she was just brought in to be a regular Looney Tunes character in Space Jam? And then later on? Heck no! She was created as eye candy. She was created as not just the love interest and the sex symbol of you know of the movie Space Jam, but she was created as eye candy to really grab your attention like holy smokes. That's what she was created as. Same with Minerva Meek and Hello Nurse and Animaniacs. The same with believe it or not, Babs and Fifi and Shirley and Tiny Toons. Gadget, Gadget Hack Wrench and Rescue Angels, Rebecca Cunningham and Tailspin, Morgana and Darkwing Duck, Jasmine and Aladdin. Bondier and Bonkers, Peg and Goof Troop, you know, they all have the quirkiness and personalities that make them very popular among male and female fans, but mostly when it comes to the male fans, young and old, they were created as eye candy. That is why animated shows have attractive female characters created for them, for eye candy to grab your attention. Again, and, 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 his, and again, you take a look at all the other examples I've mentioned, Cleo from the Cadillac Cat. You know, Chitara from Thundercats. You know, Steelheart from Silverhawks. You know, they were all created in their way, not just to help sell toys or to get people to watch the product, but they were done as, they were done, they were created in a way to be utilized as eye candy to keep you, keep your eyes on the show, to keep your eyes on the product. That's why they were created. You take a look at My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, why do you think they created characters like, you know, Twilight Velvet, 
Why do you think they create characters like Rarity? Why do you think they create characters like Starlight? Why do you think they created characters like you know, Celestia, Luna, Cadence, Sunset, Human and Pony? Why do you think they created them like that? Why do you think they created Applejack and, and Rainbow at times the way they sometimes they have to get dressed up? Why do you think they did that? Because they wanted eye candy on the sh- they wanted some kind of eye candy on the show. Rarity is probably the best example of that, not just because of the way she's created and drawn and written, but also the fact that you have a young male character, whether you agree with the whole situation or not, you have a young male character in Spike fawning over her constantly. And eventually, maybe implied or not implied, or, you know, you know, you know, you know, indicated or not indicated, you know, she might have gotten together with him you know, at the end of the show, we don't know. But the point is, she was created in such a way that she's become um, everybody's favorite. She's become a majority of the fan base's favorite character. And not just because of her, and not just because of her attractiveness, which is, plays a major part in it, but also because of her quirkiness, her personality, stuff like that. But mainly one of the other, but, main, but the main reason she became a favorite of a lot of people Besides all that, was because she was eye candy. Out of the main seven, main eight, main six, no matter how you look at it, she was created as eye candy, and that's how people viewed her. And then Lola, and then not Lola, but Luna came along. Celestia came, and then Luna came along, on in the second season and beyond, and became part of that, and went in that you know went that route as well. You have that one unicorn uh, in Sunset. Set and some of us on setback, like that's leading the organization, the organization of the fireworks and all that. And heck, you have sketchy going like, "Oh, hello," you know. The, the point is, there's a lot of characters that are created and designed a certain way, and sometimes written a certain way, to be utilized as eye candy. That's about it, you know. And you know, and his thing, there's nothing wrong with that. But that's but when but if you wonder why people talk so highly about them in character or not in character, it's because basically that's what they're created for. They're created to get your attention. Attention. They're, they're created in a way to where you can't not forget about them. You can't. They'll be like one of the reasons you know about the show. And that's it. You know, they'll be one of the reasons you'll know about the show. And that's about it. And I know some people might say, well, that's not always going to be the reason. And that's true. It's not. But the point is, you have to ask yourself, why Why would Hanna-Barbera create a character like Callie Briggs and Felina Farrell in the way that they did? Because they wanted eye candy on what was mostly a boy's action show. They wanted that eye candy to get your attention. Why do you think even back in the 1960s with Hey There, Jogi Bear... Why do you think they redesigned Cindy Bear to look the way she does today? To make her into more of an appealing character for the uh, for the male viewers to see when they would go see the movie and then the later shows um, afterwards. The point is, the point I want to get to before going to the next topic is basically, this is why, that ba- basically, the reason a lot of these shows 
create these attractive female characters in them, whether the primary characters, characters, whether they're uh, back, whether the secondary characters or whatever, it's because they're utilized as eye candy. Sonic the Hedgehog, depending on the different variations you look there, animation-wise. Sally Acorn, Bunny Rabbit, Rouge the Bat, Amy Rose, believe it or not, Loop the Wolf from Saturday M in the comics. Um, you know, Blaze, you know, you you know, you even Tangle and Whisper now. You you take a look at them, you know, even to call and shade and uh what was a to call shade sticks, believe it or not. You know, even one time characters out of Sonic Boom like like Zoe, you know, or or is it Bernadette? I think that was her, what was her name again? What was that Bandicoot's name and in, in, in Sonic Boom? Boom. Uh, what was it? Hold on, let me see. What's that character's name again? In Sonic Boom. I know she had a, a voice. Well, Vector. Something else. Let me see. I know she had a voice. What's her name? Bernadette Bandicoot or Pradeep Bandicoot or something. Well, for that guys, trying to figure out who that bandicoot was. Percy. That's who it was, Percy. All right. I mean, even with Percy in Sonic Boom, you think she was just created to be like a secondary character or a background character to help them in the long run? Maybe, but she was also created the way she was as eye candy to get your attention on the show. The point is, the point I'm trying to get at is, look, the female characters that are created, that are designed and written the way they are, they might be... They might be done to, it might it might be done so or basically what I'm trying to get at hold on for a second. Uh, but like I said, the way the characters are created, you know, and written, may be to make them become the eye candy of the show, whether they're a primary character, secondary character, whatever. But even though they're created and written like that, sometimes they're also there to be more than that, to be, the, to be more than just that eye candy, to be more involved with the story in some ways, to kind of have a major part to play. And we have to remember that. They're not just there to be like, 
oh, it's our eye candy, you know, that all that, you know, but they're there to play a role. They have a meaning from they have a, they have a reason for being there. Like I said, you know, they have a, like I said, they have a reason for being there. Gadget, you know, Gadget Hack Wrench and Rescue Rangers, even though she's designed sometimes to look like eye candy. She has a reason for being there. Same, you know, um, Rarity and Twilight Velvet and MLP and, you know, that. Same with Callie Briggs and Felina Farrell and SWAT Cats. You know, they are created. They are not just created to be the eye candy, but they're created because they have a purpose. And we have to remember that. But yeah, what, but yeah, get, but again, why, but to get, to get to the point to end this topic, why do we have animated shows that have attractive female characters created for them? Mostly because they're the eye candy of the show is to get your attention on the show and to watch the show, especially if you're the male mindset, if you know what I mean. But we have to remember, like I said, even though they're created that way and sometimes written that way, they have more of a purpose on that show, you know, being there than just being the eye candy. We have to remember that. Okay, excuse me there. A little bit of a burp. All right. So our next topic is I'm going to go to DeviantArt here for a second. Our next topic, because it has to deal with DeviantArt, or DeviantArt is going to play a role here in a moment. Uh, But basically our next topic is could a webcomic like the Demonica series or the written adaptation of the character series work, character series, work well as an adult animated series along with others like it? Now, what I'm talking about uh, as I get to it, what I'm talking about is, you know, we have seen a lot of stuff, a lot of shows recently come out of the woodworks and literally become huge hits we we've seen that we have seen them become huge huge hits with a lot of the a lot of the viewers or the people that watch them uh, a good example is uh kipo i think that's kipo on netflix was originally a web comic series and suddenly it got adapted into an animated series and now it's going on to i think it's third season because it's a very popular show that people like to watch, which I think is kind of cool. I think that's kind of cool and everything. But, but besides that, besides that, could other webcomic stories, either the webcomics period or even the written adaptations, of the book could um could they work basically um as adult animated film uh, adult animated shows now you might ask yourself well what do you mean by adult well the way some of these are described some of these are described and i'm gonna put a link to some of them right now the way they're described is very adult-like they're described as being very at times, risque, if you will. Not totally, but kind of in that category. They looked at being almost uh, risque. Again, 
Not saying that's totally true or not. But they'll look at it as being as such. Like I said, they looked at being as, as such, um, if you will. Because of what's described in them. Well, yeah, what's described in them. So, yeah. The question is, could they work? And again, I've just provided some links to them so you can check them out yourself. But the question is, could they work? And my honest opinion is I think they could. I, I think that, I think depending on whoever, let's say Mr. Internet Man or Minor Dash Alterations or anybody that has a story, series, webcomic or written adaptation or written version of something similar, um, to what I've just linked you guys to. Um, I think with the right studio behind them, I think it could work, especially from an adult perspective. I mean, you take a look at Midnight Gospel. Midnight Gospel on Netflix is based on um, a bunch of podcast interviews done by the guy that voices uh, the main character. And it's just a bunch of clips and everything edited together along with a few original pieces of dialogue here and there but it's mainly just in my opinion a bunch of um, interviews edited together for an episode and it's an adult animated series on Netflix and it's very creative sometimes it's very WTF if you will but it's one of those shows that you know you think hey if a show like this could succeed and work maybe others can as well and again, I go back to Kipo and I look at something that was originally a webcomic and I'm like, man, if this could be, this can succeed as an animated series, series that, you know, it's been turned into, maybe others, especially in the adult perspective can. And, you know, I look at, you know, Mr. Internet Man's the Monica character and some of the webcomics where she's changing into different things and different people and stuff like that. I think from an adult perspective, it could work. Uh, I think from a, I think if you look at these story series that Minor Dash Alterations has done based on uh, Demonica and her interaction with her character, Minor Dash Alterations character, Ruby Walker, it's like you have pretty much a decent beginning right there. You have like a decent start right there to really maybe build upon something. And then, of course, you have Symbian Story, which would have to be altered because of the Symbian word but you have that and again you have the foundations of something to build upon maybe in an adult animated way and when i when i look at something like let's say the demonica character if you if you read if you look through the first web comic that mr internet man did you find out that she's actually a college student named uh, veronica who mysteriously gets this package of nightshade lipstick and when she applies it becomes the mischievous demon of demonica like 
she knows who she is and everything, but she also starts to allow the mischiefy side of the demonica character to kind of combine with her, merge with her, so that the personalities are like on the same wavelength, like they know what the other is thinking. You know, basically they've become mentally become one in a sense. And um, when you apply that to a story to actually build upon it, you could you end up getting things that are interesting. Like with minor dash alterations, one of the last chapters that they did, uh, basically you have Veronica explain to Ruby that she's not that even though she is Demonica and she's all these other alternate personalities that Demonica can become in a leash that she's just that in reality she's just who ruby sees she's just this college girl that's shy nerdy at times timid and that all demonica does when she applies and that all demonica does is allow her to you know ex really express herself to express herself in ways normally she couldn't so so yeah these are interesting concepts, in my opinion, that could be applied to an animated series, an adult animated series, as a matter of fact. And I think uh, a place like Netflix, Amazon, even here on YouTube, you know, uh, Hulu, I, you know, HBO Max, I think would be perfect launching pads for something like this to happen on. Because this, because as I've said before, and, I'll, and as I've said before in other videos, and I'll say again, we are basically we are basically at the apex here guys we are basically you know we are basically like like an apex if you will we are we are at a time right now where this kind of stuff you know can be you know can be utilized you know, can be created, you know, it can be uh, done. You know, it can be created, it can be done. And I think a lot of people, you know, I think a lot of people could benefit from it from a creative standpoint. I think they could benefit from seeing their creations come to life on the small screen. I can see them, you know, benefiting from benefiting from that um, in the long run. I, I could. I could see them benefiting from that in the long run because it's like you're allowing your creation to now be seen, not just be read, but now be seen by millions, there's now hundreds of other people. And I think that would be worth it in the end. And, you know, the stories they could come up with or adapt into animation really work. I mean, I go back to my first topic when I talked about the animated music videos and everything. You know, I, I talk about the animated music videos. And
I said, I talk about the, you know, animated music videos, you know, it's being like the way to go right now during the pandemic and even beyond it. And, um, I, you know, I, and I can say the same for any kind of animated show that would, any new animated show or property that would be created, especially for a streaming service like HBO Max, um, let's see, HBO Max, CBS All Access, which I guess is going through a lot, a lot of changes. Um, Hulu, um, YouTube, maybe um, Netflix, Amazon. These are these are service Amazon Prime. That is, these are services that can really benefit, in my opinion, from a, a new animated series based on something. And again, I, I understand that some people may feel that oh, they would never touch something like uh, the Demonica series or the model in the symbiont series over at DeviantArt. Well, you see, that's where you could be wrong because anything is possible, especially if you want to have, especially if you're Netflix and you're HBO Max and you want to build your library and you're Amazon and you're Hulu and you want to build that library, you know, you're willing to take on anything. You're willing to discuss any kind of arrangements or deals you can make to bring something to life. And like I said, when I look at the look at the Demonica written adaptation by Minor Dash Alterations or the Model and the Symbiont series by Minor Dash Alterations or the Demonica webcomics by Mr. Internet Man, it, it definitely shows you that it's possible, that the creativity is there, the foundation has been made. And there are other ones as well, as well. like uh, there's, uh, what's her name, Grey Pastinia. Let me see if I can link her as well, maybe. Maybe I can link her as well. But Grey Pathenia, she um, she did a web series. I mean, she did a, a comic book series. She even has a book series, believe it or not. She has a book series. She even has a book series currently uh, on Amazon. See if she's uh, yeah. oh, here we go. Yeah, but you know she has a a book series on Amazon that's selling very very well. And she basically got her start art, or at least part of her start art with DeviantArt that helped put her on the map. And some in the What Dreams May Become series, I'm going to tell you something. If you want a series that can really benefit from being an adaptation into an animated series, an adult animated series, if you will, this would be it. This would be the kind that it doesn't just have, you know, the transformations and everything that would attract you to the series, but it has an actual story to it. What Dreams May Become has an actual story to it. It has comedy, it has drama, it has emotion in it. It has all that stuff that's perfect. It's like the total package. 
to be adapted into an animated series, an adult animated series of that in the long run. Same with, same with now, if you want more of a comedic route, you have the Potion Place and Gina stories. And they, you know, as, you know, one-offs or two-part, multi-part stories can work. They could work too. And it, it again, it wouldn't just be the, um, the transformations that would attract you to the series. It would be, you know, the story itself and the characters. And that's the one thing she's done with the What Dreams May Become series and the Potion Place and Gina series. The fact that she focuses also on developing the characters and making them more about, more than just about, oh, I want to become, I want to do this, I want to become that and all that. No, she gives them emotion. She gives them a reasoning. She goes in depth with these characters and I think, honestly, honestly, these are the kind of series that I'm talking about that could be adapted into an adult animated series on a service like Netflix, on a service like Hulu, on a service like Amazon Prime, on a service like HBO Max. And people would watch. They would. But getting back on the topic, could a webcomic like the Demonic series or the written adaptation of that series, the character series, work well as an adult animated series along with others like it, like the ones I just mentioned? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think all you have to do, all you have to do is just give the give it the go ahead, you know, let it happen and go from there. I think that's all I think honestly, that's all they have to do. I think that's all they have to do is just give it the go ahead, let it happen. I guarantee you People will, people will, people will uh, be attracted to it. People will, people will want to see it. They will, especially if you promote it, you know, up as being, well, especially if you promote it with, oh, it's, a, it's about this and all that, but it's more. But then you say, but there's more to that, but there's more to it than that. You know, what more can you say? So, in my opinion, could you know a web comic like the Demonic series or the written adaptation of the Demonic series and work as an adult animated series along with others like it? Absolutely, I truly do. I truly think it could work. I, I really do. But that's just my opinion. What do you guys think? Do you think it could work? I think it could. I really do. But again, it's just my opinion, and you know I'm just. You know, and to me, it's just something I think, especially nowadays with what we're going through, financially, if people need money and they don't want to wait for any kind of possible second stimulus or whatever the unemployment's doing or whenever things will open up, you know, to me, I think working out a deal with a studio, animation studio, that is, to, you know, maybe get this up and going, maybe at a place like Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime. I'm or HBO Max, I think is the way to go, in my opinion. And I think it could work. And I think those that will watch later on, because I will link this to them, um, I think they would agree. You know, maybe, maybe not, but I think they would say, yeah, it does sound like, you know, it could be, it could possibly work if they want to reach out to them or vice versa. But anyway, that's going to do it for that fourth and final topic. And that's going to do it for today's topics on my mind for 
uh, August 4th, 2020. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you all for joining me in the live chat. Really appreciate it. Um, and uh, basically, um, let me know what you all think down below that haven't, that were not able to be here live. Comment down below if you like. Let me know what you guys all think of what I had to say. This will be uploaded into MP3 format later on. Um, I can't say when, but it will be. So be on the lookout for an MP3 format at my podcast locations that I mentioned in a previous video uh, before this. So anyway, though, guys, thank you all for watching live. Hope you all have a good Tuesday. I'm going to relax a little bit because I do have to go into work today at 1130. But let me know what you all think about what I had to say. Any down below, comment if you like. Thank you again for all joining me in the live chat. And have a good Tuesday morning. And I am out. Peace and God bless.